All right, everybody, let me know in the comments below who likes to be uncomfortable. Right. Can I get a good amen? No, no one likes to be uncomfortable. And last week, we took a look at some of the uh, scriptures that make me the most uncomfortable. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials and temptations of many kinds. What? Um, we're continuing along with this author named James that most scholars agree was the younger brother, younger half-brother of Jesus. And I think he has so much to say to us today in 2021, no matter where you live. And uh, a word today that I think will, will give us some encouragement because we're all going through tough times and we all face, face this, uh, this choice between are we going to trust in what God says or are we going to listen to the voice of our cultures and face our problems and the problems of society through the lens of the culture that's been handed to us? So let's jump right in. We're in the letter of James chapter 1, verse 9. You can navigate there. Our notes are up on you version. We'll also have the scriptures up on the screen for you. But here's what James says, continuing in verse 9. He says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. A real cheery verse, isn't it? But uh, it, it, uh, there's something else going on here. There's an echo that the recipients of this letter, they would have picked up on because most of them were Jewish background believer uh, believers. And James is echoing some of the, the scriptures from the past. That reminds me a couple of years ago, Marie and I were in, my wife Marie and I were in the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France. This is before they had the big fire. And it was such a strange image that Sunday night. We were there with hundreds and hundreds of other tourists and we were going around this um, historic I mean it's hundreds of years old history happened in this cathedral and all the tourists were on the outside of this uh, worship area in the middle and there was a worship service going on and I'll never forget the singing that was going on that um, was uh, constructed to echo and the 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 sincerity of so many of the people in this worship service with gigantic beaming smiles on their face and tears streaming from their eyes. It was this beautiful moment of, of genuine worship of Jesus. And at the same time, there were hundreds of tourists. There was maybe 40 people in the worship service and hundreds of tourists going around with their cameras and talking and looking at the artwork and reading the historical plaques. Um, and in the midst of that, there were these echoes bouncing off the walls that, uh, that I've been reflecting on for several years. And, um, and especially like the, the spiritual soul of France is, is definitely 
uh, it's in a different place than it was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, but those uh, those echoes of the choir singing and the the worshipers singing encouraged me, and I just sensed God saying, "I'm not done with this place. I'm not done with these people." And no matter how secular it looks in the country right now, I have been in France before any of these people. I'm here now, and I will be here long after all of you and all of these people go away. I'm, I'm moving this thing somewhere and it's somewhere good. And in this verse where it talks about the rich being, uh, being like plants, it's echoes of a, a book in the Old Testament, Isaiah. And it's one of the most magnificent chapters in all of scripture, chapter 40. And let me read verses seven and eight to you. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. So in this passage, it talks about uh, those, those who are in poverty and facing hard circumstances. That's the goal, which to my ears in Southern California in 2021, I'm thinking, uh, that's not the message that that I'm inundated with every single day. Like it's it, it's a major <clears throat> excuse me, it's a major paradigm shift for me. But James is saying that that what we need to learn is how to trust God rather than the snares of this world. And in particular, the two the two snares that he's dealing with here are wealth and temptation. And a specific temptation as when someone's tempted to cheat or steal or step on someone else to get ahead, uh, that temptation to put our trust in something other than God and God's path in order for us to be secure and to be safe. And he's saying that, that when all you have is God, there's something there that we should uh, aspire to. But these impulses to get rich or these impulses towards deception, they're incredibly deceptive. They're like those wildflowers, the temptation to, to put our hope in things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Like, they're deceptive. Um, what is permanent? What in this world will really last? And the scriptures tell us that it's God and God's word. And not just like words that convey information, but what God is and what God says about us, about our identity, about what true success is, what God says about um, how we're supposed to live. Because when God speaks, um, it's more than just information transfer. Things happen to us when we listen to God's word. And things happen in us when we truly open our ears to God's word. God transforms us into new people. Verse 18 talks about us becoming first fruits of all that he created. We need this shift in our thinking today more than ever. We know the celebrity-focused culture, and it tells, it tells the same story over and over again. And that tempts us to look at these, what the scripture compares to flowers, and uh, whether it's wealth and popularity or achievements or accumulating possessions, those are, those are like flowers. And we're tempted to think that's what really matters. 
You know, the, we know the stories. Athletes that are here today, they're hot stuff today, and then they're gone tomorrow. I'll never forget. I'm about the same age as Kobe Bryant, and a few years ago, as they started talking about this grisly old veteran, this aging person, and I was looking at the TV screen going, I'm not old, but it was one of the first reminders that no matter how hot you think you are, you may be hot today, but in the grand scheme of things, you're gone tomorrow. We know the story of a flashy wedding one day and a messy divorce the next. We're still seduced by the glitter of all of this stuff. And James in this chapter has sharp. And in the original language, these words, are, there's a little bit of sarcasm, sarcasm to this. It's a little bit of stank on this when he's saying, you know what, who you should really aspire to be? Now, when you're rich, yet yeah, like aspire in your humiliation. And it's so countercultural, but it echoes the teachings of Jesus, which is this upside down kingdom. And it's not all about us. It's not all about us um, gaining uh, our, our reputation, having people say nice things about us. James is saying, when you find your poor, there is a way like to acquire God's perspective and God's uh, paradigm that, that you can celebrate because that's actually the height at which you should aspire. Does this mean we all need to take vows of poverty and things like that? No, no, no. What James is saying here is when we just go by the world's wisdom uh, we're, we're, and human wisdom to be specific, we're setting ourselves up for failure because it's gonna have us believe lies, specifically uh, that we are what we do, we are what we have, and we are what people say about us. And James is saying, when you find you're rich, celebrate the fact that you're being humbled because all that stuff, it's not gonna last anyway. There's a way to leverage whatever God's given us to, to give away our reputation and to, to humble ourselves and to, to remind ourselves and other people that, that God is the one and the only one who receives glory. This whole life is about making the name of Jesus known. So like in other words, like that we learn to look at the world upside down and inside out as Jesus consistently taught and to not allow our imaginations to be drawn into this dangerous snare. And if we allow God to help us see things as God sees them, then the realm of possibilities and hope and curiosity uh, are opened up to us because we're not playing the short-term game. When we have the perspective of God going like, all right, even though the situation, whatever situation you and I face, it may look like a complete and utter mess. Uh, we can say, no, God's not done working yet. God's not done already. This isn't the end of the story because we were designed, you and me, we were designed to work in another kingdom and another reality. It's like in particular, like we're called to recognize what's happening when we're tempted. Like in verses 13 through 18, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So in that passage we just read, uh, James is developing here, further developing this idea of joy is like we can actually find joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. This idea from uh, verse chapter 2 in the same passage. But it takes a rewiring of our brain. James isn't suggesting that it's easy, that it's just some sort of uh, switch that flips. But he understands that, that none of us actually arrive in this earth with this completely pure toolbox of impulses, our hopes, our fears. Um, we need God's help to see reality as it really is. And the messages a lot of us receive in our culture today from pop culture and especially like the self-help movement talks about the truth is inside of you. Be true to yourself. Um, you know, all of that. Like, no, we need something bigger than us to help us get through the, the blood, the sweat, the dust of everyday, day-to-day -day human existence. The theologian N.T. Wright says, if you're true to yourself, you'll end up a complete mess. Like, yes, there's good things about us. Like, we're made in God's image. But if we're only relying on ourselves uh, to navigate life, I agree with N.T. Wright. We will end up with a complete mess. But in this passage, if, you've, if you're reading uh, uh, the first chapter of, of James, there's this contrast here. And he talks about the crown of life. We mentioned it last week in verse 12. Uh, and what happens when we don't correctly identify these impulses to control life for ourselves? When we focus on these withering flowers of wealth, uh, accomplishments, or, or people, or, our reputation, those things are here today and gone tomorrow. This is also echoes of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, God's word gives us life. Who God says we are, that's where the life and the hope for tomorrow comes from. That's where our identity comes from. And the tree of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil, that represents striving. That's the hustle. That's the pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and figure it out because no one else is going to help you. Um, it's it's the, the, the covenant, this agreement between the children of God, Israel, and Yahweh. It talks about many times in the Old Testament that we have a choice between life and the choice between death. And because of Jesus, uh, because of what Jesus has done, he's, he's defeated death with his resurrection. We can choose to surrender and say, I recognize those impulses and, and all the messages that I'm receiving to put my, to put my trust in things that are human-made, earth, earthly stuff. But James says, no, like choose to put our trust in what God says. And again, James grounds his teaching in what's true about God. God is the generous giver. I love that image, the father of lights. I've never really thought about it deeply, but man, everything that truly lights up the world, that's absolutely a gift from God. But the sun and the moon and the stars, 
They all come and go and they're shining. God's light is constant. God's truth lights up, which is the only truth, by the way. God and his word lights up everything. And it goes back again to an echo of Isaiah chapter 40. He became our father by the word of truth. God started his own fresh family tree, the new birth that brings life through this powerful word of the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't stop with us. Like God started this thing, and those, those people who, who, who are living the word and listening to God's word, it's just the beginning. James says that we're the kind of first fruits of his creatures, which is another echo. There was this first fruits offering uh, in the Old Testament, in this covenant, like recognizing like that, that people would bring the first fruits of their harvest to the temple. In uh, in this festival, you would do this uh, and bring God the best because it was a sign that there was much more to come. My friends, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we, we can see in our limited perspective, there is so much more to come. And, and I, I love echoing back to the beginning of this chapter. Like when we lack wisdom, when, we, when it looks like there is no hope, God's not stingy with his wisdom. When we say, God, show me the next step to take. I'm even thinking and remembering right now in the psalm that says, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Even though we can't see 10 feet in front of us sometimes or 10 days in front of us sometimes, James tells us that we can ask God for wisdom and God freely gives it. He'll give us whatever we need to get through, not around, not over, not under, get through the next moment. Lamp unto your feet one step at a time. And our job is to surrender and and trust that God's word will transform this whole creation, filling heaven and earth with his rich and wonderful light. No matter who's in office, no matter what decisions our bosses are making, no matter what choices our kids are making, like to trust that God's light will bring everything, that God is filling this whole earth with truth and God is already at work rebuilding, redeeming, and restoring our personal lives, our families, our communities, and this whole earth, uh, this whole earth. Our lives uh, transformed by the good news of the gospel. Like we, part of this is learning to look at the world differently and asking God to give us a new perspective, to give us God's eyes and to, to stand firm against temptation. When that, when that little warning light goes off and we're, we're tempted to reach and figure things out ourselves, to trust that, that we're the start and we're the continuation of a much larger, larger project. So what does this mean to us today? Like, I already said it, the, the first challenge is to ask God for new eyes so that we can see our circumstances properly. And if you're like me, you need a lot of help to do that. Some days it's like a, an hour by hour thing. It's like, God help me, God help me. And you might do a little, like 30 minutes or so, you're like, okay, we're gonna make it. No, it's done, help. Like James says that if we continually surrender to God and ask for help, um, uh, 
after a long time, we'll look over our shoulder and we'll be able to say, oh, God, you helped me through this, you helped me through that, and even though I don't know how things are gonna work out right now, I trust that you're gonna be the God that I know you are. And, and even if I don't see this situation resolve itself the way I want it to, I know that you are, are moving things, that, that just like a, a, a garden is being planted, that someday this is going to bear f- fruit that will be beautiful and maybe even in generations to come. And, uh, and secondly, this challenges, to, this challenges us to ask God to show us what flowers we've been putting our hope in and putting our trust in. And uh, there's so many of us in uh, America that are watching this. And uh, I think this challenges us to how we even use the word blessed. You know, James, and I think it's amazing that James uses this word that his older brother Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount. And all of these things that in the, in the first century didn't seem like blessings. Blessing are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when you're meek. Like what? That, that maybe in our own lives and in our culture, the word blessed needs a rebranding. Uh, my thinking is whenever I do receive something good that happens, whether it's financially, get a good deal on something, or, or even something as uh, shallow as a, a good parking spot, my first thought is, oh, what a blessing. Um, but when bad things happen, I don't always think, oh, I'm blessed now. But uh, there's this, this way, maybe I'd explain it like this, like, like when we're going through trials or temptation, God is uniquely present to us. And if we ask God, Maybe we can experience God's presence in a new and fresh way, even when we're encountering trials and temptations. And trust that God is with us in that moment and for us in that moment. So I just want to say a word as, as a pastor, no matter how you like stumbled here, maybe someone invited you here, um, and especially for those of you that are facing really difficult temptations, um, I, as as we've uh, as we've been going through this passage, you may have been thinking like, I really want to do that, but I just uh, I can't. Like it's hard. Well, I want to pray for you in just a second and ask that God will will open your eyes. But I want to remind you that that part of trusting God sometimes is reaching out to people who know God and who care about you. And just to let you know, we want to journey with you. And you can reach out to us in the comments. You can send us a private message. You can email us or call us here at the church. Um, You do not have to go through this alone. And maybe for you, it's not some supernatural sense that God is present to you right now, which he is, but maybe it's it's you reaching out and, and having someone pray for you, having someone listen to your story, having someone journey right alongside with you. But I want you to know that you matter to God, your story matters to God, and that God is not done. If your story isn't good right now, God's not done yet. And, and hang on. And, um, and right now, maybe this is your moment where, where you surrender. And, and, and for maybe for the first time in days, months, or years, that as you do, listen to the fact that God is, is for you. And God is is wanting to meet you right where you are. 
Now, maybe this is the first little spark of hope that can turn into a flame and, and, and illuminate uh, the next steps uh, for you in your journey. So um, if you'd let me, I'd love to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, um, these days there's so much anxiety in the world and so many uh, things for us to think about and things are changing so rapidly. Would you please um, speak peace into every life, to everyone who can hear my voice right now. May your peace invade our hearts. May, you, may that peace open our eyes to see the world through a fresh perspective. And may we truly, like, not just hear about it, not just believe it, but would you please right now help us to experience your life-giving, hope-giving presence. Jesus, light up our path. And right now, even if we, we can't, we're, we're open to being open to you being the, the light that never goes out, that you, you do not change like the shifting shadows. Help us to trust in that. And please let that encourage us. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, so glad that you joined us today as, as we dismiss I uh, just want to say a blessing over you and remind you that you can reach out to us, like I said, comments, uh, messages, or at sgbic.com. It's our honor to journey with you. So before we dismiss, a blessing. May the Lord, the, the Father of lights, bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down on you. The Lord be gracious to you and smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.